0: I'm Gorilla Monsoon. I'm Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I I have no idea what the hell we're doing here. Does he ever? Huh. Gene, we're recording a promo for a podcast. What the hell is that? It's a show where... A promo, that's where you hype something. Oh, that... why don't you be serious? He asked... Oh, Heenan, damn it, I know what a promo is. What the hell is a podcast? It's a show where uh, people, um, they talk into microphones, usually from their house. Naked, too. Stop it. So, uh, why do they do that? I'm not sure, really. Definitely not for the money. Huh. Oh. You better believe it. So, uh, what's this one called? Uh, let me see... The Hot Tag Podcast. Whoopee. Does uh, does anyone listen to this? Well, I don't know. I'm sure some somebody... The government is testing it as an alternative to the chair. You Will know? you stop that? That's not nice. Oh. It's, it's illegal in 11 states. Quiet. And welcome to the Hot Tag Podcast. Uh, they're not
1: really naked, are they?
0: I certainly hope not.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Chris E. Francesco, George Rogers, the OGs are here with you this week. Um, Dean, I guess, just was like, yeah. Nah, not going to watch Judgment Day 2002, (laughs) but um, no, Dean couldn't join us this week, did not have a chance to watch the show, so uh, it's just us two, which is always a good time. Um, Tonight we are covering Judgment Day from 2002, and boy, uh, George, man, this pay-per-view, you kind of said it right before I hit record, that's what I wanted to say, this was a lot more fun than I uh, had ever thought it was.
0: Yeah absolutely
2: mm-hmm. these uh, these uh like ruthless aggression era mm-hmm. pay-per-views were always uh always something to watch i so agree
1: uh, yeah. i agree uh we are just two days away from the 21st anniversary of this show uh this show occurred may 19th which is i guess a popular date wrestling <laughs> uh, occurred may 19th from 2002 um Man, so looking at this pay per view, and we kind of like to always get in that way back machine to kind of see where the WWE was at this time. Um, the Royal Rumble had six hundred and sixty-five thousand buys, no way out had five seventy five. WrestleMania eighteen, man, eight hundred and forty thousand. Not a not a ton, but the live gate was huge. And it also had a uh and it also had a um A massive sellout, 68,000 people in Canada. Um, And then in between Mania and Judgment Day was Backlash 2002, 400,000 pay-per-view so over half um, of that Mania number. And then it drops down to 373,000 for Judgment Day here. But, you know, 14,500 people pack uh, Nashville uh, for this show. Uh, And then the rest of the year is kind of between that that Judgment Day number and... um, and about 500 SummerSlam that year, which is we've covered before is one of the best SummerSlams, if not the best SummerSlam of all time. That one had over 500,000 buys. Um, yeah. You know, George, this was a transition period for the WWE. You know, they just became WWE um, basically like two months prior. And, you know, this is, again, a, a transition uh, apart because, you know, Shawn Michaels is about the return. Uh, and he was gonna be there in August, but this is this is May. Uh the NWO is here and it's a you know that's a a, a butchering experience not doing well. Uh what were your thoughts to say, on
2: to, to say the least? Yeah.
1: What were your thoughts on two thousand two uh WWE?
2: I I remember it just being i mean it was a transition period but i remember it being really fun to watch um i was i mean yeah like the nwo was was back in 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 some sort of a capacity of a very very watered down version of what they once were in wcw um but it was still kind of fun to hear the nwo music despite the fact that half the time it played the big show was walking out and he's just a he, he's just an energy sucker. As soon as he gets to me, as soon as he walks on the stage, the crowd just immediately stops giving a shit. Um, Austin was, we, we had him every week. He wasn't really in the title picture, but you know, he was doing stuff with Ric Flair, which was pretty entertaining. Cause you got to see two. You know, yeah. You had stunning Steve Austin versus Ric Flair, probably in like early days, WWE. but now you got like stone cold, you know, the face of the company, Doing stuff with, uh, with Ric Flair, which was pretty refreshing to see because you never really saw those two guys going at it, and it's a shame we didn't get more from them. Uh, the tag team division was running pretty hot, uh, even though it was split up across two companies. But you were getting decent tag matches. You had like real fun tag teams with Billy and Chuck. Um, I, I mean, I, I look back on this era with a lot of fondness.
1: Same, yeah.
0: Uh, A lot of of guys,
1: a a lot of guys were like coming into their own at this time, like edge Guerrero RVD Um, you know, Jericho is hitting a really good stride here. Um, Then you got Kurt angle and edge, Um, you know, Kurt angle was really good for a while up until this point, but edge was trying to, I feel like around 2002 to around 2005 edge was really trying to find like, what am I, I'm, you know, am I just going to be the edge and Christian tag team guy or am I going to break off and, you know, eventually become the rated R superstar. But I just feel like around 2002, this was edge who was phenomenal. Edge was always great, but I feel like here he was in like that identity crisis. Cause it's like, what am I, what are you? Um, and it was a good, I thought it was a really good pairing with him and Kurt angle. Um, so that was, um, I, I appreciated that. Cause again, 2002, you had you had some of the stalwarts still you had Triple H you had Kurt Angle you had the Undertaker um and, and then you got these young guns coming in not technically young but you know the Eddie Guerreros or RVDs the edges um you know Guys, Derek, you
2: weren't getting their um, right. Right, who, who weren't really getting a spotlight where they previous were. I mean, Edge mm-hmm. was breaking out as a, as a single star. Yes, RVD, you know, whereas he was a mainstay and, and a standout in ECW. ECW was pretty hard to find on TV most times. Uh, yes, and and Eddie was you know fighting for TV time against the NWO and you know essentially the the quote unquote Millionaires Club of you know people like Luger and DDP who took a right. lot, who took up a lot of TV time. Mm-hmm. So now they're getting a chance to shine and yes. stand out in their own, which is, very mm-hmm. ref- which is very refreshing to see because now we're going to see some younger talent coming in.
1: Yeah, so, including the young up and coming Hulk Hogan. <laughs> they don't
2: get much more young or coming than Hulk Hogan.
1: <laughs> By the way, this is going to make us feel kind of like old or make us feel good about ourselves. Um, the Undertaker is 37 years old in this pay-per-view
2: dear lord it's not that it it's not that i feel old it's that he looks like he's 45 it's just that i feel i feel really bad about myself because (laughs) presently i am a year older than undertaker was at this pay-per-view isn't it
1: crazy to be like oh my god he's only 37 there (laughs) yeah um so yeah the uh, judgment day here comes at a time You know, when the company was undergoing some changes, which is what we just highlighted, and the big change was that the company's name changed from the World Wrestling Federation to World Wrestling Entertainment two weeks before this show. So this was the first pay-per-view with the WWE moniker that we still have today. Um, And I remember at the time it was such a weird thing to stop saying the WWF or writing the WWF when I was doing things. You know, when you're talking about the company, you know even sometimes today you catch yourself talking saying wwf um which is weird because you know for the majority of our lifetime it's been the wwe um i mean 21 years of our lifetime which is you know more than half thank god for for all of us more than half of our of our life has been wwe so but still you still catch yourself sometimes saying wwf um so I can't believe that was 21 years ago. Uh, the, in two the days, the thing of
2: it is, like, like the thing of it is, like with with the whole WWF and WWE, is I, I find myself when we're talking about the older pay per views saying WWF because it feels weird saying WWE when I'm talking. You know, when we're talking about.
1: Talk about um, WrestleMania Hogan. five, and we're saying
2: WWE. Yeah, no, Hogan and Macho Man, and like the Bushwhackers and shit like that. And I'm saying WWE. It just it it just feels weird. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, as you know, as the you know, as we do the older ones saying WWE doesn't seem out of place because yeah, that's the era. It's that's just the era yeah. with the different like with the like with the eras. It's just weird mm-hmm. saying WWE and then saying like. Andre the Giant.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this is May that this pay-per-view is happening. In March, there was also the first ever WWE draft to separate the rosters into two brands. Cannot believe that's already been 21 years as well. Um, you know, the main event scene was going through changes. And, you know, since Triple H beat Chris Jericho to become the undisputed champ at WrestleMania 18 in that main of ev- uh, that main event, you know, then he lost it a few weeks later to Hulk Hogan at Backlash show 02. Um You know, Hogan was, you know, and at this show, Hogan's defending the title 28 days later against The Undertaker, who beat Hogan for the WWE title a decade earlier. Um, This was also Steve Austin's last pay-per-view match of the year um, because it was right before, uh, you know, he took his ball and went home um, because he didn't want to put over uh, Brock Lesnar in a prelim on, you know, an un- Promoted match which you know I understand His point of view but you don't just Get I, I, up and
2: yeah, leave I, I, Yeah I, I see his point of view on it yeah. Because if Brock's going to be the next Up and coming star and Austin is the guy Right he felt yeah this Needs to have a build
1: yeah I agree And just before anyone wants to rip Hogan which we always love doing Even though we love Hulk the Him becoming champion here was 100% Triple H's idea um, It's been you know Proven in multiple interviews Triple H said it himself, where he wanted to be the guy to help Hulk get that one last big run because Hulk was so hot at this time that, um, coming off that WrestleMania 18, how could you not, um, kind of get that... wasn't
2: going to? It's just because Triple H didn't want to do the job to Undertaker. We know
1: <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> um, oh
2: yeah, mania, brother. <laughs> right. Only.
1: Oh, yeah. um, this event took place, you know, shortly after also the infamous plane ride from hell. Uh, that people talk about so much. If you guys don't know about that, you could definitely Google it. Uh, Judgment if Day. If you did... don't
2: know about it, you know, what, what rock have you been living on? Exactly,
1: right? Um, <laughs> that's one rock that I've come up from, so we're good there. Um, Judgment, <laughs> Judgment Day did a pretty decent number, like we said, 373,000 buys. It was around the average number of pay-per-views in 02. Uh, I do think there was significant intrigue in Hogan versus Undertaker, um, but again, There were some really good matches on this card here, and we're only two months removed from WrestleMania 18. Um, So let's let's kind of get started here. WWE Judgment Day from the Gaylord Entertainment Center in Nashville, Tennessee, May 19th, 2002. Um, The opening video package focused on the main feuds on the show. Triple H versus Jericho and Hell in a Cell. Steve Austin versus Ric Flair and Yawn, Big Show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I I almost smashed my face into the microphone about to say Big Show. Um, And Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker. Um, Those were the main focus of the video package, while also letting us know that, again, Judgment Day is upon us. Um, There was a pyro display. Not Not yet.
2: (laughs) <laughs> Not yet. They weren't like, gonna debut for another 20 years.
1: <laughs> I know. Oh man. Uh a good Long pyro. term storytelling. <laughs> Long term, baby. Um, a good pyro display, and again, a great set. I actually really enjoyed this set. They kept it simple, but it made sense. Um, I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, as we get later on here, the opening match was a banger, man. Um Intercontinental Championship match here. Eddie Guerrero versus Rob Van Dam. Um, Guerrero comes in as that heel IC champ. Um, so obviously he's getting booed. But a big pop for RVD here, um, uh, George. Were you an RVD fan?
2: Oh, well, I was an RVD fan. I still am an RVD fan. I'll pop whenever RVD comes out. Uh, I, I don't care how old he is because when he gets in the rain, when he gets between the ropes, he's all business. Uh, I don't I don't care that he smokes uh, tons of weed, but he 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 never lets it interfere with his work. You know, if he's going to have a match, the dude is on. He's not Jeff Hardy popping fucking, you know, any pill he can find and going out and giving people concussions with with uh, chairs and shit. Yeah. You know, he's. He's all business ways in the ropes, he's between the ropes and RVD seldom makes a mistake.
1: Yeah. So they get a little over 10 minutes here. Uh, Eddie Guerrero gets the pin uh, and, and retains his IC title. I gave this match three and uh, three quarter stars. Uh, this was a really good, a great choice for an opener since they wrestled at such a fast pace and the crowd was so into it. It was all about putting on an entertainment match. Uh, you know, without slowing down here. And these are the two perfect people in this era to do that. Uh, there's no chin locks, no rest holds here, but you know, again, it's the opener, you know, you want to get this crowd up and hot for the rest of the night. And I feel like they made the most of their time, you know, RVD got a ton of offense. Uh, and then Eddie got his, his quote unquote cheating offense. And then Eddie cheated the win um because that fit his character, lie, cheat, steal. Right. So, um, what did you think of the match
2: overall? I thought it was a great match. Um, mm-hmm. I say if you give this match another five minutes, it's a five-star classic. Um, I agree. That's a good point. I th- and, and, and I made a mention to you when I was watching the pay-per-view. I, I don't remember this run with Eddie Guerrero as our continental champion. I remember him holding the IC belt in... I want to say 2000. Yeah, in 2000, I remember him holding the IC belt for a little bit because he pinned China for it under the guise of he was like checking on her because she got hurt. And he was like holding her when she was at the mat in the referee can of three. And then he looked up like that shocked with his fake shock, like, oh, you mean I won the match kind of thing? And then there was a little feud there, but I really did not remember him holding the IC title in 2002. But like, that's that's on me i can't remember yeah. everything but i mean yeah I, he, he come out the IC title. i'm like all right okay i'm here i'm here yeah
1: for it. and it's crazy eight days after this they went on to have an incredible ladder match for the IC title on raw rvd won the title eight days later here so you know that was i actually watched that match after this pay-per-view and that was like a four and a half star ladder match it was amazing um we get to a backstage scene here with Vince, Reverend Devon, Stacey Keebler, and Deacon Batista. Um,
2: His best gimmick.
1: Right? Stupid WWE. How dare they make him the animal? Um, yeah. Vince wanted to know if Bubba was going to show up, and Devon said that Bubba better not show up. He'll have hell to pay due to Batista. Um, and then Vince, of course, creepishly says he'll be watching Stacy's match. Um, but he may be late to the celebration party, blah, blah, blah. There was a commercial for the Get the F Out campaign they were doing. That was pretty cool uh, to see that. Uh, and the next match here is, well, I mean, I guess we could say it's passable, but it's women's championship. Trish Stratus versus Stacey Keebler. I mean, it was short. State uh, Trish gets the win at two minutes and 50 seconds. Um, Trish was getting a lot better around this time, by the way, man, she was when they, when her music hit, I don't know if you noticed when they, when they panned to the crowd, everyone stood to their feet, Everybody. yes, sir. Um, so look, 21 years later, 21 years ago, she was over and 21 years later, she's over again. So, um, just a, a, a timeless, a timeless act, a timeless talent, yeah. um, you know, Stacy was never that good in the ring, but she bumped well here, I thought. Um, the near fall after Batista's body slam on Trish was a pretty clever spot. You know, Trish winning was never in doubt here. But, you know, again, I gave it one star because I thought it was passable. I actually thought Stacy worked hard. Every time Stacy had a match, I felt she worked really hard. She never mailed a- in a performance ever. Um, what did you think overall?
2: Yeah, I mean it was it was a match this was more about furthering along the storyline of Bubba and Devon. Yes. Because they were split up during the drafts so then Devon went over to SmackDown. He adopted this new uh Reverend gimmick, the the mm-hmm. the Reverend Devon and he had the the good deacon Deacon Batista who always carried the cash box for the collections which yeah. It's a hokey gimmick, but he really made it work and it it worked out with him because, you know, he's always doing the, the, oh, testify my brother. He was always Mm -hmm. doing that anyway. And the Dudleys. So it just kind of seemed like a natural gimmick for him to have. It was, he, it, it, it was never going to have legs. It was never going to last more than a year or so. Mm -hmm. And it it it's good that it wasn't beaten into the ground and i'm also glad this wasn't something that they decided to bring back on like a a legend site or something like don't yeah. it, it it was what it was mm-hmm. it was there it ended and we were better off for it because we learned that only one of the deadly boys is good as a solo act
1: yes we definitely and it definitely, was one on raw yes we found that out and, very fast
2: and 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 real quick just while we're while we're talking about this match with Trish, who uh obviously at this point, she's just, she's getting better every time she gets between the ropes. She's sure. putting a, a lot of time and training mm-hmm. to get the craft down. And mm-hmm. I kind of make a uh, mention of some comments that Medusa, AKA Alundra blaze said earlier this week, where she had some issue with Trish Stratus. It's gotta be a work that,
1: man. Right. Yeah,
2: saying that like, you know, I don't like Trish because of what she, uh, what she did for the women's division. Like I worked hard to make it good. And then she came in what? and it was all just like Barbie dolls and clowns. Like, like when she came in, it's like, and I'm reading it. I'm like, I either she's either. This is a work or she's the stupidest person. ever.
1: Um, I'm going to go with it's a 70, like, 30 stupid.
2: I think you're right. Yeah. And I, I only, I only say it because when Trish came in, or, or when Trish was holding the women's title, you had you had her, you had Lita, you had Jacqueline, Molly, Holly, Victoria, Jazz, and Mickey James was not far from debuting. So n- no, like you're wrong. That yeah. wasn't the women's division. Didn't become a joke until after Trish retired. Agreed. That first time after like 2006 when Trish and Lita were no longer in-ring competitors mm-hmm. it went to hell because then we started getting the bellas we got um leila we got uh god melina mm-hmm. we got like the women who were just look can michelle
1: candy. yeah
2: like we got i can't like the mm-hmm. diva search the second the diva search started it went to hell Correct. which is a shame because i thought Layla was good in the ring but she mm-hmm. was obviously limited. Michelle McCool was and Beth Phoenix were the only standouts of that and and Mickey James.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Mickey they James was really always the only incredible. Standouts. Yeah. Always, yeah.
2: And it was it was disappointing because there were some good female wrestlers but mm-hmm. they were only getting 3 to 4 minutes of yeah. match time. Yeah. That it was all just, hey, what storyline can do? Oh, let's just have a dodgeball game at this pay-per-view. So <laughs> so Right there, I'm just gonna call Medusa wrong. But then her sitting there saying something like, you know, like I when I dropped the belt in the trash, I was, you know, making a statement. No, you weren't. You did what Eric Bischoff told you to do.
1: Yeah, like you made that clear. You said you were asked to do it. You did. And
2: and I don't even. And I and I I don't really want to speak ill because I do think that Medusa is a very good performer. Oh,
1: she's a pioneer, man.
2: But her entire legacy is. Dropping the belt in the title on Nitro.
1: That's a good point.
2: Whenever anybody brings her up, that's typically what's mentioned. Yeah. No one's talking about her matches with Bull Nakano. Sorry, nobody kind of, nobody really cared about women's wrestling in the mid nineties. Yeah, I agree. And you went to WSW where you were used even less.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And if you want to talk about legacy, yes, you were the first woman to hold the cruiserweight title, but then you lost it to oklahoma <laughs> that's right ed ferrara not a wrestler a writer like so yep.
0: mm-hmm.
2: so to sit there and say that trish kind of ruined the division you went to a company that didn't value what you were bringing to the table
1: correct and um, so
2: it's i don't know what the game is maybe she's trying to angle for a comeback maybe I, I don't want to see trish versus a Lundra Blaze at I don't Island.
1: think she can wrestle. She had double knee replacement surgery. I don't think you can hey, do so anything no. after that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, if there's one thing for sure, Didn't
2: Ray have like 14 knee operations. Yeah, but
1: once you get like that knee replacement, it's like, that's tough. Yeah,
2: I don't know. Maybe she's gonna like manage back or something. I, I don't know. She never, I don't know where this. I'm so is, done I don't with know where Lynch. this is going. But I'm
1: done with her. Um, I'm just
2: it just kind of struck me as weird that they kind of that the, that the comments kind of came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I agree. But if there's one thing that didn't come out of nowhere, that's Stacey Keebler, Trish Stratus and Batista. They definitely had a summer beach bod. Now, are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Well, Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game changing full body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be the guy at the beach with those Austin Powers chest hair. And if you grew some winter man titties, the least you can do is make sure that they're hairless. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code HOTTAG20. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full body grooming game with the performance package 4.0. The kit comes with the Essential Lawn Mower 4.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. Whether you're trimming your chest or the treasure chest in your pants, this is the best trimmer on the market. Their trimmer features a ceramic blade designed to cut hair on loose skin and to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology. You can even trim an arrow pointing to the promised land down where you know where. If you're bold enough, of course, uh, inside the performance package, you also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner and anti shafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful shaving can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day and no one likes nose hair. So go and get this package because it also comes with a Weed Whacker 2.0. You also get two free gifts, not one, but two. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented High Performance Reduced Shafing Manscaped Boxers. I have them. They are incredible. Uh, If you're wearing sandals, you need to get the Manscaped Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. And having the right tools for for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. So get 20% off on free shipping with the code hot tag 20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off and free shipping with the code hot tag 20 at manscape.com. trim your chesticles with the besticles. All right, we're back uh, on a continued judgment day, uh, 2002, but we do have, um, some breaking news here. Um, the great, one of the biggest legends in the history of professional wrestling has passed away. Uh, And that is Superstar Billy Graham. Um, For those of you who don't know Superstar, I I mean, look, we're wrestling nerds. So we did a lot. You know, we grew up hearing um, about that. Um, So he is 79 years old, about to be 80. Um, He's been battling health issues, man, for at least 20 to 25 years. A lot of it, he says, stems from the steroid abuse, um, you know, going through the wrestling industry. And if you guys don't believe that, just again, Google Superstar Billy Graham and just look at images of of him. And you can always catch a lot of interviews uh, with Superstar, a lot of shoot interviews. Um, but yeah, the, the report is um, according to noDQ.com, uh, he has reportedly passed away. I know as of two days ago, he was on life support. Um, but look, you know, guys like Hulk Hogan, um, uh, I, I'm trying to think, uh, Jesse the Body of Ventura, they all took aspects of, of their careers from superstar Billy Graham. So, um, our, our condolences to, um, the, the, the Coleman family. Uh, we, you know, our hearts ache for this as a, that's a pretty big loss for the wrestling community. Um, and you know, rest in power, to uh, superstar Billy Graham. He'll he'll it's be up low. there, man, being way too sweet to be sour. Um,
2: Sir, I mean, it was, I mean, you while you were going through the um, the manscape bat, I, I I mute my mic just so I don't interrupt, just so I don't interrupt the flow. And while you were kind of talking, I just happened to kind of look down at the breakers and I saw. I was like this. I was like that's that's rough. Um, he was. He he was obviously before our time, but his influence on the business is
1: um, amazing, yeah.
2: Is it is, is, is amazing. Like no one could cut a promo like him at a time when he was doing I mean it it like you can see where a lot of guys, like you said, Hogan, Jesse the body, even Scott Steiner, like mm-hmm. that's that's the guy. Like that's the guy behind him. Like they, he he's like he was essentially the template for what a wrestler would look like what you would think mm-hmm. Russell would look like. I agree. And it's, it, it, it is a big loss for the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you said, our, our condolences, our thoughts, our prayers go out to mm-hmm. his family and to the, and to the industry on a whole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So let's uh, get back to the show here. Um, the Raw owner Rick Flair is talking to Arn Anderson in his office. Vince McMahon, the SmackDown owner, shows up to talk to Rick. Um, they were both, you know, heel owners at the time. So Flair said that Vince was right all along because Austin is a no good sob. Flair said that tonight he's taking Austin down, and then Vince wished Rick good luck. Yeah, you know, they hugged each other and had, and you know, uh, Vince hugged Rick, and Vince had that look of concern on his face. Earlier in this year, Vince you know, was the heel and Rick was a babyface when they were feuding. Um, By this point, Rick was a heel as well uh, since he is the owner of raw here. And so WWE had him feuding with Austin in a storyline that was, you know, all too familiar to WWE fans. Um, Next match here is just odd, but I guess they had to put Brock somewhere. The Hardy boys uh, versus Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Um, uh, just weird.
2: I mean, it seems weird in the middle of the car, but also think about Brock debuted like a month and a half ago. Yeah,
1: that's true so, too. So
2: he's, mm. he, he's not the cowboy Viking that we know today. Yeah. Know, with the, with the duster no. and the feather in his hat.
1: Right. Yeah, this man, match. He was, um.
2: He was fresh face. He had a beach he, bod.
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes, he did. Um, Lesnar hits the F five on Jeff. Um, Heyman demanded the tag. Heyman stumbled in the ring and got the cover on Jeff at just under five minutes. Um, I guess it was a fun match for the time given Lesnar did all the work while Heyman only tagged in at the end there. Um, I like the offensive spots from the Hardys. It was obvious that Brock was, you know, being had a rocket strapped to his ass here. So it was obvious he was going to win, but at least the Hardys got some offense to look competitive. Um, They they booked Brock, you know, almost perfectly his entire first run. Um, Like, no doubt about that. My only question to you is, uh, George, I know. You know, back then I was a Hardy fan and they were, you know, probably the most over one of the most over tag teams in history. Did you feel like this was kind of like a like, why would you pick the Hardys here to almost job out to Brock Lesnar?
2: The Hardys. Here's the thing you pick the Hardys because the Hardys are good because the way they bump, they're going to make Brock look like a million bucks. That's a good point. Like, I'm not saying they're, you know, obviously the greatest in the rank, but I think they were at their best in the early two thousands. I think they've kind of only, I think they've only kind of gone downhill since then. Mm -hmm. I don't mean like a steep drop, but clearly over the years, They've missed they've they they've lost a step. This extreme style that they wrestle in has clearly taken a toll on, on their bodies. Uh Jeff knows that all too well because mm-hmm. he's tried doing anything he can to make sure he doesn't feel that pain anymore. <laughs> so And just by um,
1: watching Jeff, I mean the guy can barely walk. I mean I'm yeah. sorry, Matt. Matt and, can barely walk.
2: Yeah. That's because he's bow legged, so he already I has know. trouble walking yes. like a regular person. Right. But I mean there, there are a couple of light athletic guys that Brock can toss around and they'll bump their ass off and it and they're gonna make Brock look like a monster. Plus, the Hardy Boys are also at this point they're former multi-time tag team champions. Um in 2002, Jeff is a former Aircontinental champion. So Brock getting a win over them and you know throwing them around makes him you know it moves him up the card a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I that's agreed. another stuff for you know it's not just him going up against you know the the bushwhackers,
1: no. <laughs> right right agreed
2: <laughs> or, or or like the beverly brothers you know he's you know he's he's not facing a jobber tag team no he's facing no. you know decorated a decorated tag team so I mean and hey, Paul Heyman has a pinfall victory over world champion Jeff Hardy. So.
1: Yes, he does. Isn't that great? Um that's, that's so I, funny. That's
2: like when the, I was like when the Brooklyn Brawler pinned uh, Triple H on SmackDown in 2000.
1: He <laughs> damn right he did. Um there's a video package here about the rivalry between uh Rick Flair uh dealing with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, that led to Big Show getting involved in the feud as, as Flair's heel ally. Big show complained about he was at a restaurant during WrestleMania instead of being at WrestleMania. Thank God that that restaurant was around. Yeah, um,
2: yeah because you suck.
1: <laughs> uh, so he was angry about a lot of things. Austin said he didn't have a problem with it and said that Flair will learn that you do not screw with Steve Austin. Uh, Flair said that Austin will bleed, sweat and pay the price. Um Big show makes his entrance to the NWO song because he was in the NWO group at this point. No one really cared about that by that juncture. Um, Ric Flair makes his entrance to his classic theme song. Austin gets a mega pop as he makes his way down to the ring. Um, Austin was unable to do that. That are, you know, the awesome uh turnbuckle poses because, you know, the heels stood in the way, um, which I Jerks. hated when he, I, I hated ruined, when he didn't do the turnbuckle poses. I know. Um, All right, George. I want you to have fun with this one because I just why couldn't it have just been Flair and Austin? Why Why did it have to get convoluted?
2: Yeah, it didn't. It it didn't need Big Show. It didn't. It sure as hell didn't need the NWO. Um, he could have used anybody as like a heel enforcer, Mm -hmm. but he picked fucking Big Show. Yeah, and it just. And I told you, I was like, this match didn't need him. This could have been a 15-minute match, Austin versus Ric Flair. That's what this could have been. That's what mm-hmm. this should have been. Yeah. Yep. But, alas, it was not. I think this it's it just one of a few missteps that they that, that 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 the company made in this time, maybe something they were overlooking, or something that they were maybe trying to set up for something down the road. We don't know because Austin was going to leave in a couple weeks, so we mm-hmm. don't we don't know what the long term game plan was. Maybe the yeah. maybe the story or the plan going into it was a solo or or, or a one on one match of Austin versus Flair at Summerslam that year.
1: Yeah, maybe we don't know. Yeah, I mean I mean I, that
2: would have just added that would have just added to that jacked card anyway.
1: Yeah, I think by this point also, man, um Austin just kind of had enough in a way because you know you even go back to rest, you know, when the NWO arrives, that whole storyline with Austin and NWO was doomed from jump street. Um because the the fact that they were go- that you knew they were going with Hogan and Rock. So it's like, cool. So Austin, the biggest draw in the history of the world is going to go up against either Big Lazy or Big Drunk. Like, it's like, hey, why are we going to put some respect on his name? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, Like, why? Cap- why? <laughs> why are we? If I'm Austin, it's like, this is what I'm doing now. Now I got to go into a-, a meaningless triple threat match. I'm going up against Ric Flair, which is awesome. But you got to give me the big show who has no heat. No one cares that he exists. No one cares that the NWO still exists. So if I'm Austin, man, I I feel like the whole Brock Lesnar thing was just the culmination of him being royally screwed since the NWO arrived from a storyline perspective.
2: What you could have done instead of. You know, Rick Flair in the big show. Maybe you just have Ric Flair with Arn Anderson at ringside.
1: That's what I was thinking. You said Enforcer. Well, for, what just have him around?
2: Yeah. I or, mean he can, he can do something. He gave a
1: ridiculous spine buster to to uh Undertaker two months earlier. So he can get yeah. physical real quick.
2: Yeah, I mean, oh. and it's you could have had Flair maybe try and reform like a new version of the horseman
0: mm-hmm.
2: with with who they had on roster, I don't know. I mean, it's you could have done anything. You didn't. You didn't need to bring the NWO in because it diminishes their quality. I mean, even if I mean they're 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 diminished as is, yeah. but it 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 kind of like lowers their stock. It's like, oh, you guys are just lackeys for Ric Flair, and he's not even in the NWO. You're just doing whatever he says. Like, weren't you the guys who were like? or taken over.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you're
2: like, yeah, mm-hmm. boss, I'll come out to the ring with you. <laughs> um, I think it's a missed opportunity. I, 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 I really don't even want to give this match a rating because it's. I don't think this is a match we should have gotten.
1: I agree. Uh, Austin stuns Ric Flair and gets the cover. I really think he should have pinned Big Show here, but whatever. Um, this is 21 years ago. Uh, I think he Austin- should have
2: stabbed Big Show in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, uh, Austin gets the win here at 15 minutes and 36 seconds. I actually ended up giving this match uh, three stars. I actually thought it ended up being pretty good. Um, the announcers didn't mention that it prob uh, didn't mention it probably because didn't mention I meant um, pinning the wrong guy because you know they had no idea since it was such a chaotic ending there. Um, they kept Big Show strong since he wasn't pinned. I mean, who? What does it matter what keeping Big Show strong? Cares. Yeah, no one ever shit. cared. Um, since he wasn't pinned, and he only lost because Xbox accidentally kicked him in the face. Uh the fans loved Austin hitting so many stunners in a row and they popped for that finish. Um post match, Austin did what he normally did uh back then, popped a couple beers, limped up the ramp, um, and just had a big celebration. Um man. I mean, I give it three stars, but damn, this is almost a four-and-a-half-star match if it's just Austin and Flair up there, man. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
1: So next, the video package airs to set up Kurt Angle versus Edge. Edge congratulated Angle for the win at Backlash, and Edge wanted to see Kurt's new, t- uh, new shirt, but then Kurt unveiled it to reveal that it says you suck on it. Um, angle was so sick of Edge mocking angle shirts. So then angle challenged Edge to a hair versus hair match, and Edge agreed to it. Um, and this is where we get the beginning of the you suck chance. Um,
2: the last time we saw Kurt angle with hair,
1: mm-hmm. yep, um, including
2: that gray five o'clock shadow horseshoe thing he had at the end of his TNA run.
1: <laughs> yes, perk angle was. Full force there. Um, there there was a barber's chair on the right side of the ramp. Edge makes his entrance to one of Georgia's all-time favorite songs and artist, uh, Never Gonna Stop by Rob Zombie. Um, that was one of the I wish first... somebody stopped. <laughs> I'm surprised they actually let that run on WWE Network. It's still yeah, there.
2: Yeah, I, I wish... Much to my dismay, it wasn't uh, edited out. (laughs) You were so upset.
1: Um, That's funny. I was so angry.
2: I almost threw my my end table across the living room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Edge was the face here while Angle came in as the heel. Angle started in WWE over a year after Edge. Um, But, you know, obviously we know who reached the main event level first and almost rapidly, which was Kurt. Um, And again, there was a, a stimulation for this match which is uh, whoever loses will have their head shaved um, edge gets the win here after 15 and a half minutes. And Holy crap, man, this was awesome. Like I gave this four and a half stars. What a great reaction for the pinfall too, because they know absolutely ha- they know it meant that angle would have to get his head shaved. It was just such a fun match that the fans were so invested in from the moment that the bell rang. Um, and I felt 15 and a half minutes was perfect um, because they didn't go like they didn't go they didn't go too short and they didn't go too long. Um, and it was just awesome to see Edge picking up this huge win um, It, uh, you know at this point in his singles career. Um, you know, like normally though, during this match, I normally I don't like referee bumps because I think it can be pretty lazy and this was an era where referee bumps were almost every match but it played a part in the story with edge about to win it after it happened. And oftentimes a guy was screwed out of the pin, you know, and ends up losing, but not here, you know, having edge kick out of the angle slam felt like a big damn deal. And and the crowd knew it as well. And then edge managed to win like soon thereafter. Um, But huge, huge props to angle for putting over edge in a huge way clean here. Um, What was your thoughts overall?
2: Absolutely five star. And as I was watching this match, I kind of got not angry, but maybe cheated. Hmm. I felt as not in the not with this match, just with where these guys were going to go and the trajectory. I see, because it's a damn shame and it's almost criminal. That we never got rated our superstar edge against Kurt Angle.
1: Well, I never thought that we'd I, I'm stunned that we did not get that ever.
0: Hmm.
2: Like Kurt was Kurt. in what? 06, oh, oh late 06.
1: Yeah, because he was yeah, in TNA. by was, seven.
2: Yeah, he was gone. And we didn't get like we could have got a really good feud mm-hmm. with a heel edge. And like babyface Kurt Angle and Angle going after him to get the belt and edge and edge being the ultimate opportunist mm-hmm. doing everything in his power to keep the belt. And then you lead up to like a big pay-per-view match, like SummerSlam survivor series, maybe even mania. If that's a route you want to go yeah, where maybe. angle finally gets the best of edge and gets like one more reign with a belt.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good point i never like, even thought of that too it,
2: it, wow. it, it's a shame when you look at at like the traductors you're like yeah like edge and I was great but then you're like this was 2002 mm-hmm. what could have been in like 2008 2009
1: yeah, yeah. when edge was just full-blown like one of like one of if not the number one heel in the business at the time um
2: absolutely absolutely
1: <laughs> i agree if
2: plus plus That would have saved us from having to deal with an edge uh, and Vicky Guerrero nonsense. Oof,
1: you're right. Although, I mean, if you ask them, they were so over at that time. Like, they really were, though.
2: Um, Big show was part of that, too.
1: uh, Never mind. It sucked. Uh, Post-match, Angle attacked Edge with punches, but then Edge hit the execution DDT in the middle of the ring. Edge sent Angle out of the ring and then pointed over to the barber's chair that was over by the entrance area that like we alluded to earlier. Uh, there was a barber there with a big barber chair. I'm so mad it wasn't Brutus, a fucking barber beefcake. I'm so upset. I mean, about.
2: I I was just thinking that I'm like, is it almost criminal that it wasn't beefcake? But yes, at the same. time, That's what
1: we like, were screwed out of. Like, fuck you. Yeah. I mean, Hogan yeah, was, was on the it. card. That's that was what, Brutus. Yeah, you know
2: there. what? Make <laughs> this pay-per-view a zero out of ten, Chris. We didn't have Brutus standing with the barber chair.
1: I mean, how do you have a barber chair there? Hulk is main eventing the show. How is Brutus not somewhere near his ass? Like, how is Brutus because not Br- in the building? Because
2: Brutus is probably in Hogan's locker room getting everything <laughs> ready for him when he comes back. And you know, he's got to be rubbed down. He's got all the oils ready. And Brutus has been you know, working at his hands to make sure he doesn't have any cramps because the Hulk doesn't like it when you have cramps, brother, in the middle of a massage.
1: <laughs> um, the Hell in a Cell structure for this next match is being lowered. Michael Cole and Taz were shown talking about the match with Triple H facing uh, Jericho. There was a video package setting up Triple H versus Jericho in a Hell in a Cell. Vince McMahon on SmackDown didn't like Triple H, so he sent uh, a bunch of heels to attack Hunter, and Jericho hit Hunter in the head with a steel chair. Uh, Vince told Triple H he was in a Hell in a Cell match with Jericho coming up at Judgment Day. Hunter followed up with a sledgehammer attack on all the heels, but then Jericho hit uh, Hunter uh, with a chair to the head again. You know, this is a rematch from WrestleMania two months earlier in the main event, man, when um when Hunter became the undisputed champion, beating Jericho. Uh, Hunter lost the, the title the month prior uh, at Backlash to Hulk Hogan, and now they were back to just feuding again. And I had forgotten about Triple H being on SmackDown at this point, although it was more because he was a former WWE champion, you know, which, you know, would lead to Hunter choosing that show to be on. But it would be a few months later when he would become a raw guy. And you know, that was a situation that we found out about at Vengeance, you know, later in, you know, two months later in July, um, which we'll we'll probably cover eventually. Um, but still, man, you know, Jericho's coming in as the heel, but he was not booed that much when he came out here. It felt like the fans were just really, really excited for the match. Um, but man, when Motorhead hit. Massive pop, like massive pop here. Um, so here we go. Hell in a Cell match, Triple H versus Chris Jericho. Um, Triple H gets to win at just under 25 minutes. Wow, man. Um, talk about a brawl inside this match. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one?
2: This match has one of my favorite, um, I guess spots and it's when they're on top of the cell Mm -hmm. and triple H overhead swings, the barbed wire stick hits Jericho in the head and Jericho's hair gets stuck in it. Oh yes. Well, it doesn't get stuck, but like, but you can see like when he hits and when he, you know, when he brings it back up, like part of Jericho's hair is -hmm. stuck in it. I'm like, God, like that just, it's stuck with me. I'm like, yeah, like he got fucking hit. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's, It's obviously a dummy wire. they're not gonna use
0: right, right, right.
2: Because, you know, that's a that's a salt, (laughs) so but it's and I remember being on the edge of my seat this entire period. I even did it here, even though I knew the outcome and knew how and knew how what everything was going to be, I was still waiting for the damn roof of the cell to cave in after the pedigree. I'm like, oh, he's they're, they're going to go right through the cell, and they don't. And I'm like, it's it's by sheer a sheer engineering miracle mm-hmm. that the roof of that cell did not give way with those two men on top.
1: I agree. I mean, maybe they made it stronger. I don't know, but it's it amazes me to this day that nobody went through that sucker, man. Um, but again, like I mentioned earlier. A lot of blood in this match, dude, like a lot. A lot. Of- I mean, even the re- even Tim White bladed the late great Tim White is bleeding all over. Wasn't the this also here.
2: the last match that this- he refereed because he got, hurt-
1: he got hurt real bad. I think he like destroyed his shoulder uh, in this match. Um, I will say, though, you know, the fans weren't into it the whole way because it was long and they worked at a pretty slow pace. Uh, the second half of the match had a lot of exciting moments, like you said, especially after Tim White bumped. Um, then the blood in the match just increased and they left, you know, and they left the cell, like we talked about. I think when people watch a Cell matches, they want somebody to get thrown off the cage. Um, yes, but that didn't happen here. You know, they did they they still did something unique by doing submission and near falls on top of the cell before Hunter was able to pin Jericho on the cell. You know, whenever Triple H, you know, wrestled Jericho in their careers, Triple H won a majority of those matches. You know, this was no different. You know, as a baby facing the match, it made sense for Hunter to get the win, but
2: I still you know, uh, you know a submission never hurts more than when it's on top of the cell or on top of the announce table. That's correct.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, and as as much as I enjoyed this match. Do you agree it's one of the more forgettable Hell in a Cell matches, unfortunately?
2: It is, but not due to any of the guys in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's more or less forgotten because nobody took a huge bump That's right. off the cell yeah. or through the cell. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just two guys who didn't like each other beating the ever-loving piss out of each other. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it was, I like it. I think it's a, I think it's a great hell in the cell match because it, I like it. It, it gave me a wrestling match like in the cell. It wasn't just, it wasn't going from, you know, all right, we did this spot. Now let's go to this one. Let's go to this one. Now you're going to throw me off and you're going to jump off or go through the announce table, kick out, go back in the cell. Do you know it? I kind of miss when matches were put together like this.
1: I agree. Good point. Great point. Yeah. Oh,
2: a, a, a lot of care. A lot of storytelling. We always talk about how storytelling is missing from the industry mm-hmm. uh, nowadays. I agree. And it's true across the board. Whether you watch WWE, whether you watch AEW, whether you go to like GCW, Impact, any of it, there is a severe lack of storytelling in between the ropes. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's it's almost like it's a lost art.
1: For sure, I hundred percent agree with you, and that's one of the things that I bring up at nauseam sometimes when we talk about wrestling is like there's just no there's no psychology. there's no storytelling. you're not
2: like some people like some people can tell the story in the ropes. like but like some current people, they can give you a story in between the ropes.
0: Mm-hmm. Gunther
2: is one who will tell who will give you a story in between the ropes over on the other side, Mjf, he's not a flashy guy. he doesn't do spots. He'll give you a story in the match as the match goes on. It's just, I feel, I feel like there's a lot of heavy emphasis on just going to the spots. All right, you get your stuff in, I'll get my stuff in, the crowd will cheer and Dave Meltzer will give us five stars. <laughs> yeah. like, just like, just tell me the story. I don't care if the match is four minutes or 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Tell me a story. Keep me invested. I want to watch the match and not have to pull up my phone because I'm bored.
1: I agree. I agree, man. I can't add anything anything uh, to that. Uh, a commercial is airing, uh, showing two people having sex in a car. The window had a WWF logo, um, and then the naked woman, um, you know, put the window back up as the WWE logo was shown, and ended with the "get the f out" phrase.
2: I had a problem with that commercial. Did you? My problem was, it was. For the slogan, get the f out. When clearly they were getting at the f n.
1: That's correct. So, yeah. yeah, what a bullshit commercial. It was pretty raunchy, <laughs> but the company was always trying to be. She edgy was just topless. She was wearing shorts. Yes, yeah. yeah, Like I the t-
2: like the tamest car sex ever. I Come know. on, Vince.
1: I know. I know. Give me some skin. <laughs> uh, we got plenty of skin in this next match here with uh, WWE Tag Team Championships here on the line. Billy and Chuck versus Rikishi and Rico. Yeah, I kind of wish I never saw this because it was good. so bad. Um, as
2: I, I as I say often, Chris, I rated this a skip.
1: Yes, that's a great. That's good. It's perfect. Rikishi get uh, pins uh, Chuck to get the win uh, to win the titles. at three minutes and fifty seconds. Um, it sucked, man. Like the good thing is, is it was really short. The fans couldn't care less about it at all. Um, this date that you know this didn't make Billy and Chuck um, at all. Since Chuck lost the titles to you know to a spin kick by Rico um, after Rikishi covered Chuck, um, the fans were so dead during this entire match. The angle just didn't work. Post match, Rikishi did his stupid victory dance on the stage, and he even they even wasted money on pyro for Rikishi. Um, it was just oh, so.
2: And like, and it was like Vince picked the tag team partner for Rikishi, and I don't remember them feuding.
1: No, no. Billy and Chuck got the titles back like two weeks later. By the way,
2: now Um, I I liked Billy and Chuck as a me
1: too, me too.
2: I thought they were I thought they're entertaining, and that theme song was just fucking great.
1: (laughs) Um. Edge was shown backstage looking for Kurt Angle again. Angle surprised Edge by hitting him with a trash can to the face. Angle pulled Ed- Edge up the stairs and got out to the uh, arena. Angle did a promo saying he'll show you a haircut. Um, they were fighting by the side of the ramp and they were on the stage with the barber's chair. Edge applied a sleeper on Angle to lead to Angle passing out. Uh, gets Angle in the chair, into the barber's chair. Uh, the barber handed Edge the clippers and then Edge shaved the head. Of the sleeping Kurt Angle, um, that was a pretty good chant. They were saying no, 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 goodbye," which was pretty funny. Ed shaved most of Angle's hair off. Um, he put some shaving cream on Angle's hair, and then Edge used a straight razor to clean it. Boy, that's that's trust. <laughs> that
2: that that is trust, my friend.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh man, that was- I,
2: I I I like that this segment went on all night.
1: <laughs> yeah it kept going on and on it was I, really good i
2: really liked it i really liked that i laughed out loud at this is when when angles running back and he's trying to hide from edge and mm-hmm. he puts the lampshade on his head oh my god and just walks on by I'm like that wouldn't have worked ever hey but like, like i laughed at it because it was, it was goofy and it was exactly where angle was at this time
1: we make movies pal um <laughs> the, here we go main event time the video package aired for WWE champion Hulk Hogan defending against The Undertaker, who was the heel at the time. Um, he was big evil here, for those who don't remember. Um, Undertaker caused Triple H to WWE championship because Taker was the number one contender and would rather face Hulk Hogan. That led to cheap attacks from Undertaker on Hogan, and then Hogan drove Undertaker's motorcycle with a truck. It also led to a backstage scene where Undertaker tied Hogan to a motorcycle, and Undertaker drove it into some cardboard boxes
2: fantastic cinema cinema
1: it was as if like the batman was in the backstage like that's what it was it was so bad such great cinema um
2: i i'm not even gonna sit here listen to the slander (laughs) because this is way better than the batman (laughs) it's really good
1: it's the best line of the show the undertaker walked out to the ring in his big evil gear uh hollywood hulk hogan was up next as the undisputed champion JR mentioned that at Survivor Series 1991 The Undertaker pinned Hogan to win the championship for the first time in Taker's career. Little did Taker know then he was immensely about to be brothered. Um you know Hogan was a massive babyface here, you know. Um Hogan's 48 years old at the time of this match and Undertaker was a ripe 37 um
2: 68.
1: He really did. Um so we get to the end here. Eleven minutes and seventeen seconds. The winner and by pinfall. And new undisputed champion is the Undertaker. Boy, this was a tough one to get through, George. I mean, Hogan just did not belong in the ring anymore, I and mean, he just he, didn't.
2: He he tried to pull every trick out of his brother bag. He did to try to make himself not look that bad against the Undertaker. Like, dude, Especially that first ropeslam. <sighs> Especially trying to sandbag that choke slam, and they've and they've edited it out since then. But you can go on the YouTube and you can find it where Hogan oh, tries yeah. to sandbag it, and Taker just grabs him by the throat and just screams "Jump" in his face. Yep. <laughs> fucking say, <ass laughs> so listen, ass. one way or another, you're going for a ride. <sighs> yeah. You can either cooperate, or I'm gonna drag your ass up with my own strength. Yep. And Taker's got the fucking games to do it.
1: No, he does. Um. You know, Vince made his entrance with the fans booing him uh, later on. Taker grabbed the chair. Hogan kicked the chair into Taker's face. And then Vince distracted Earl Hebner. So Hogan brought Vince into the ring. Hogan um, gets a couple punches to Vince's face and then drops the big leg. That allowed Taker to recover with the chair to the back of Hogan. While Hebner was apparently deaf as he made Vince leave the ring, Taker hits a second choke slam. Uh, and gets the one, two, three here. I just thought it was bad. Hogan was barely able, to, uh, you know, to move. With he had a bad knee at this time. Of course, he always had that that issue with his back. He was nearly fifty years old. You know, the Undertaker wasn't at his best as a character or as you know a guy that had great matches. Um, but with a great opponent, Taker was awesome. This was just really boring, and it's not his fault. You know, Vince getting involved in the finish meant that it was, you know, another WWE title pay-per-view match with interference, um, which was happening so much in this era, dude. So much. Um, you know, we already talked about it. The first choke slam was Hogan just sandbagging Taker. Got to blame Hulk for that. Taker took care of that situation very swiftly. Um, you know, when Taker kicked out of the Hogan leg drop, it felt like a big deal. You know, it wasn't that much of a surprise since Hogan lost because of his age, but it was a bit surprising that they would do it. They would WWE title change at three straight pay per views: Triple H to Hogan, and then Hogan to Taker. Man, that was just um freaking hot potato, man. And I and I hated that.
2: Just don't even just don't even put the title on Hogan to begin with. But even if you figure in that in that stretch, starting at WrestleMania. And going to Survivor series mm-hmm. this year. You had you had Jericho losing to Triple H, Triple H losing to Hogan, Hogan losing to Taker, Taker losing to Rock, Brock or, or, or Rock losing to Brock, mm-hmm. and Brock losing to Big Show. Yep. So you had a lot of title changes on pay-per-view this this tier. Yeah. And yeah. that's just from the start of the year to Survivor Series because I don't remember I don't remember what happened at Armageddon two thousand two, but <laughs> but that's not, just not with the WWE do. title. That's not yeah. including like the World Heavyweight Title, mm-hmm. which Triple H was gifted, and then Shawn Michaels won at Survivor Series and then lost at Armageddon.
1: Right, right. Um, Taker celebrates the win as the new champ. Undertaker made referee Earl Hebner put the title around his waist. They replayed the finish, including Undertaker's chair shot to Hogan's back. Um, McMahon was shown smiling at the sight of Taker as champion. Taker went back into the ring with a steel chair, uh, jabbed the chair into the throat of Hogan. Yeah. Hogan hit Taker three times. Hogan, uh, Taker hit Hogan three times in the ribs with the steel chair. uh, And then then Undertaker must pose, pal. Um, And that ends the show. This was the first and only time where Undertaker won the WWE title as this, you know, American badass, big evil character. Um, I love again, we're on record by saying, you know, we love the American badass character. Um, But, you know, for you know, again, Taker is one of those rare commodities where he didn't need a title to be like the man. So, you know, this didn't really change my thoughts on Undertaker at all. He's still, you know, one of the goats. Um little over two hours and 40 minutes man at a out of 10 what do you give in this show uh
2: at a 10 I would give this about I'm gonna go I'm gonna go six
1: wow that's actually lower than I really expected I'm,
2: I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go six hmm. just because it it doesn't stand out hmm to me as much you know the only thing that really i remember from it is the fact that taker did get his fourth world title reign yeah by be- by beating hulk hogan
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i would have rated it higher had we had austin versus rick flair as a regular one-on-one match and without the interference yeah, the tag title match was was uh a dud mm-hmm. the women's title match was a dud yeah it was just you could have just cut the filler out and given us something
1: yeah i agree i mean i i went with a seven a hard seven i thought it was a pretty decent show overall you know edge versus angle that whole thing throughout the whole night was great uh triple h and jericho had a really good uh helena saw match you know god i feel bad for tim white watching this though um you know i you know i go back to the opener man eddie and rvd just a great great opener um i take points off the pay-per-view for involving the big show so i I don't know why he was there i mean he should never have been on any show to be honest um and then that main event it was really tough to watch hulk hogan in there it really was um but yeah you know this isn't going to be remembered go ahead
2: Uh, yeah no 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 go ahead because i'm gonna say a thing Go ahead. yeah
1: Okay, no, um, you know, the fact that they did three WWE title changes to three straight pay-per-views is rare, but it's not something that I want to see happening, obviously. You know, this isn't going to be remembered as some phenomenal all-time show, but it is worth checking out for some pretty decent matches. And look, even though it was an awful main event, it's still worth going to watch Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan just to, you know, watch it. Um, But so, yeah, I give it a, a seven overall.
2: Now, here's what I probably would have done just to kind of make this pay per view a little more memorable mm-hmm. and maybe save face for one of these for this downtrodden, watered down group
1: mm-hmm.
2: that this company decided to bring back.
1: Yeah.
2: I would have not had the Vince McMahon interference. And I would have had the NWO interfere and screw Hogan out of the title. Great point. So they just, so they just continue to fuck with Hogan, and then after Taker beats Hogan, he puts on an NWO shirt and does the Wolfpack sign to X Pac, and I guess Big Show. And was Nash here, or was he out with his quad at this point? Nash might still be there and like Booker T who was in NWO that forgets about (laughs) because then you got, so now you got your world champion is now in the NWO. So now the NWO feels like a big deal and it's the undertaker. Mm -hmm. So now it's like a talking point. Now you can still do the main. So basically by putting in taker, what you're doing is completely eliminating the fact of Shawn Michaels ever being part of the NWO. Right. So by so by doing so so by doing that you got you can still have Booker T getting expelled from the NWO, still do that, but Taker's the one that kicks him out. He's like you don't fit in, you know, get out of here. You know you you were only put in this group by Ric Flair. You're, you're, there's no need to be here. Take a walk. So you can do that, and then now you have Shawn Michaels who comes back, and he's gonna you know and he's going to team up with triple H and they're going to re and they're going to reform DX. Yeah. And this happens. We'll say right before vengeance, like, all right, we're going to take on the NWO. It'll be DX versus the NWO. And then at that pay-per-view at vengeance, you have Shawn Michaels and triple H versus we'll say X-Pac and the big show. Yeah. Or 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 versus X Pac and Kevin Nash because Kevin Nash would be back by this point. Yes, yes. At that point, you have Triple H turn on Shawn Michaels, and now he joins the NWO.
1: Wow, interesting.
2: But still, play out the scenario of Taker losing the title at Vengeance mm-hmm. because the next night on Raw. You can have Triple H kick the Undertaker out, and now he's taking control of the NWO. So that turns him face because Taker's gonna turn face anyway because he yeah. face tests at mm-hmm. at SummerSlam. So t- so all of, so everything else still goes in motion. So now what you have at SummerSlam is DX Shawn Michaels versus NWO Triple H. So you actually get DX versus MWO. I mean, it's not the real MWO. I get it. It's Triple H. It's whatever. But you throw in the stipulation. If I win, the MWO gets disbanded. And we know Sean wins that match. And that'd be the last we see of the MWO. Wow.
1: I mean, I can't I can't add anything to that. I mean, that would have... mean, Triple H doing... That's that what awesome. I would
2: have done because it... it It would have made the NWO look like a bigger threat if Mm -hmm. if Taker is if Taker is part of them and he's the champion because you gotta you need to have like if you're gonna have the NWO, somebody needs a belt. You need to look Mm -hmm. like a threatening group. I mean I, then, I then everything else just plays up as it does after SummerSlam. You know, Triple H gets one of my titles, no more NWO, whatever, it doesn't even matter.
1: I agree. But,
2: yeah. but that ends the NWO and that gives Vince his ego boost of having his group take out the WCW group.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's, that's just perfect. something
2: that's just something I would have done to maybe make it a little more interesting
1: i think it's great that's a i mean we could definitely do a fantasy book show and you can do that again do all that over again it'll be great um all right that wraps up judgment day 2002 next week we are going over to wcw um who just made a triumphant return on t- television in 2023 um that's a shot against AEW. yeah
2: what is uh, yeah yeah Finally, hey. guys, wrestling is back on Saturday nights because that's what we've all been clamoring for for <laughs> 20 years. Wrestling to be back on Saturday nights because the last time wrestling on Saturday nights, it was Velocity and nobody watched it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, partly because it's on a 10 o'clock on a Saturday, but you don't think collision is going to get preempted when a basketball game airs or a Braves game?
1: <laughs> you're right. Um, we're going to be covering Slamboree from 1997. Uh, it actually happened a day after we're recording this, May 18th, 1997, 26 years ago. Um, 11 matches on this card. I mean, two two dark matches, so we'll go with nine. Um, on this card, we had Lord Steven Regal, Ultimo Dragon, Mysterio versus uh, Yuji Yasaroka, Yasuro, uh, whatever that is. Um, the, the Man, the Myth, the Good Legend job. Glacier. I know. Malenko versus Jeff Jarrett, Ming versus Benoit. The Steiners are in this match. uh, Have a tag team uh, match here. Oh, by the way, just let everyone know that you know Ming and Chris Benoit with women wrestle in a death match. Yeah. Uh, Steve Mongo McMichael defeats uh, Reggie White. Yes, that Reggie White. Uh, And the main event here was Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, and Kevin Green defeating. Um, parts of the NWO, three fourths, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and six. So we'll talk about that, but I, I can't believe that Ming and Benoit were building this as a death match. Yeah. Foreshadowing at its finest. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll be covering Slammery 1997 next week. Uh, and then coming up after that, we are going to round out May by covering Hulk Hogan's 1989. Um, in the WWF cannot wait to talk about Hulk and you're running wild right before uh, the start of a new decade in the nineties. Um, I'm C. E. Francisco. That's George Rogers. You guys can follow us at the hot tag podcast on Instagram. Uh, give us a, a follow there. Thank you so much to uh, at extra cooler uh, for uh, our new logo. It is absolute straight fire guys. So head over and check that out. Um, The inspiration behind that is from the NXT's deadline pay-per-view. By the way, NXT's Battleground logo looks pretty badass, too. So NXT is just firing on all cylinders with their uh, pay-per-view branding. So please stop doing that. Um, So, yeah, uh, George, thank you so much for joining me. We're looking forward to coming to you guys next week uh, again for Slamboree 1997. Uh, We hope you guys have a great rest of your week and weekend and we'll catch you all down the road. Have a good one. Bye-bye